Earbuds, we've got a special limited time offer just for you. When you pre-order My Drunk Kitchen Holidays, not only do you get an awesome book, duh, that's by me, but we have a limited number of the Hannah Hart, No Kid Hungry, William Sonoma spatulas that we will send your way. They're adorable. It's a little rainbow MDK spatula. It's very, very cute, and it will help you savor and celebrate your year. So here's what you have to do. One, go to hannahhart.com and order your book. Two, upload your receipt at bit.ly slash mdkh pod. Thank you so much, everybody. There's only a limited number of spatulas available, so please go check it out. I'll let you enjoy this amazing episode. Bum ba bum. Okay, bye. Why, hello, gentle earbuds. I hope this episode of Handleize This comes to you on a fine, soothing. What day do we post this show? Thursday. Thursdays are good days, right? I mean, you know, it's almost a Friday. So today we're going to be living a real Friday kind of life by having an exciting conversation with the one and only Pamela Ribbon. Now you might be wondering, who dat? Well, I assure you, you have heard of her work. Pamela is known for as a screenwriter for Moana, little old movie you may have heard of, Ralph Breaks the Internet. And you know what? I'll let her tell the tale. Enjoy. Hello. Hi. 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 Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm more excited than you know. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I just am, I, I'm just really grateful for your patience. As we set this up, as you know, I've just got back into town. And so I was like, oh, it's in the suitcase. Where's the this? It's setting it up. And so, Pamela, thank you for allowing me to double, nay, triple check <laughs> to make sure that this podcast to. was no, you, you right on to. track. You got to make sure all the ducks are in the row. In the row. So yeah. why would you be nervous? Well, listen, I was going to be very, I was like, just be cool. Come here and just be cool. Like, don't be like, I'm a huge fan. But here's why I think I <laughs> can come start here and be like, with, I'm a huge boop, fan. Boop. <laughs> yes. Um, because I was listening to, and Hannah is not here, so we can't get- The great, gelb? Yeah, her great laugh, which would be nice. But I was listening to her talk about Supernatural. And when she said, <laughs> I saw them walking, I was like, okay. <laughs> you were like, I relate. I come here and be a fan. Uh, Pamela, yeah. you know what? You mm-hmm. can come back on the podcast anytime you want. Thanks. Anytime Hannah's in town. Thanks. Because- I unfortunately, I tried. I watched a whole season of Supernatural because that's oh. how much I love my best friend. Oh no, I've never seen an episode of But you related to the idea of like knowing that seeing people yes. you love walking. Yeah, you're like, people are walking. People it's are happening. Walking. I've made, I've worked on my fan face really hard over the years okay. because it made people walk away sometimes. Let me, let me, what, fan face? Fan face. It's pure joy. I, mean, I can see, oh, your eyes recognize that you saw my fan face. <laughs> <laughs> I'm now good at knowing what it looks like when someone knows that I'm giving them You mean that, that gentle, um, it's not a shadow. It's not. It's not a lens. But right. there's a gentle drop behind the eyes. Of you like, mean of me or you? Oh, uh, yeah. Well, what happens is <laughs> what you see is me remembering how great you make me feel when you do the things that you're good at doing, Aww. right? And then like the joy you've brought me comes up at the top of the back of my eyes. It's like a reverse cry welling, right? So you know this feeling where you're like, this is happening. And, and then your brain goes, don't say all the happy things you feel. This is not how you thought this would begin, but this is what happens. It's not, but so I I'm love like, it. look, I know it's not what you wanted at all. We'll, we'll put it aside. Oh, it is exactly. It's, it's exactly what I need. And then you did the thing that you're supposed to do as a healthy person with boundaries. Your face went, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I thought I was meeting just a person, but she has preconceived notions of what will happen here. Rather. Which I don't. Well, and I will say that if you are a a true fan, you know that, fortunately for me, the people who are fans of what I do, I like to say community, uh, heartosexuals, et cetera. Sure. It's like, they're the best kind of people. And it is no surprise to me in all my arrogance and and (laughs) self-aggrandizing that the writer of Moana is obviously a huge Hannah Hart fan. Yeah. You know, you can see it in everything Moana does. I mean, <laughs> you're, just, you're killing me. Um, that's amazing. Wait, and well, then you said we had the opportunity to meet once. So no, what had happened was I saw my drunk kitchen episode, you know, number one, like the Buddy second oh you were on the internet, mm-hmm. right? And For Gelby. Oh, yeah. I wish she was here. And someone had. Do you know why Gelby isn't here? Can I confess? 
Yeah. And I, I moved it from Saturday to today because I just need one weekend day. I yeah. just need one day. That's okay. You know? It's your you time. I know. It's my me time. Yeah. I, I really, the tomatoes are in a really fragile point. <laughs> I need to get some chicken wire and I need to make sure that they grow sideways, not up. It worked better for me too. Oh, this is God. a work day. It's I mean, this day. is fun, but we're working. Yeah. Don't we, we love our jobs? Yeah, I love our jobs. But, so here we are. Yeah. So we can have tomorrow off. Yes. It's okay. Yes. I'll come back. Great. Perfect. I'll be your third. Every Great. once in a while, you're like, we need a third. We need a third. I'll just come in. We're like, Pamela sounds like a Hannah. <laughs> yes. I love that. That's right. Yeah. My name was almost Amanda, which is basically some version of Hannah. <laughs> Practically. <laughs> so MDK since the very beginning, huh? Yeah. So I lived in an apartment in Los Feliz. What year was that? Because I don't know time anymore. 2011. 2011. 2011. Oh, so I was about to move out of that apartment. Mm. So, yes. Yeah, so someone tweeted at me. Either that I would like this or that you or you had reminded them of me or something like that. I feel like we have the similar energy. We vibe. Similar energy. We vibe. Yes. Yeah. So I fell in love with it immediately. And I think I had tweeted at you to try to say, do you want to talk about what this could become? Because uh, I was, I had a development deal. <laughs> yeah. It's true though. I was oh like trying God. to be like, do you want to meet? Do you want to talk about what this could be? Because this and is I was awesome. living in New York at the time. Yeah. And yeah, there was no like- Reply. Yeah. And I think a couple of people what were like, bitch. she's not a weirdo. But it was, you had- I can't even imagine the amount of stuff that had come at you. At it was the, very disorienting. Moment. Yeah. Mainly because being a normal person <laughs> or just a person who didn't already work in entertainment, I didn't know what the word development deal meant. Sure. I don't know what could come of this. I mean, again, like I know, I'm sure you've heard this and I'm tired of saying it myself. My eye on the prize was writing a book, right? Mm-hmm. That was like the extent of it. Yeah. You know? And it's so funny. I mean, this is just, it's so refreshing because I feel like this is kind of exactly where I'm at as like an online creator is that the the generation of community that we built in those days, mm-hmm. like we've all grown up. We're all growing up. Yeah. You know how many people I see that talk to me and they're like, hey, like you helped me get through college or hey, you helped me get through my mid twenties. I'm like, oh, that's great. And they're like, do you still even post videos? And I'm like, <laughs> sometimes, man, I don't know. I did a really cute thing about Down Abbey the other day. Has it evolved? No. <laughs> but if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Well, it's perfect as it is. And it's there for what that is, right? So that's why you have the conglomerate. You have all the other places where you like to put your Things like Analyze This, where we, where we get a chance to have a conversation with a fascinating person. <laughs> that, that's, that's, that's you this time. Anyway, I'm, I'm aware that I can hug the internet too hard. I did the same thing with like... Um, Ralph Hi- Breaks the Internet, Hyper the movie Lina. you wrote about the internet? Well, I was a little very suited to <laughs> well, write a movie about the internet because oh, I, that's where I came up. I feel like, I got to tell Ella about this. I feel like when we saw it, mm-hmm. or maybe I watched it by myself and she was just sitting next to me on the plane. I don't know. I feel like I turned to her and I, we had the conversation. I was like, whoever wrote this knows their internet. <laughs> I was like, I wonder what they, if they had like a consulting team because it wasn't cloying. It wasn't like dumb. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like where people talk about the internet and I'm like... Yeah, no, that's not the internet. That is an emoji. Yes. That's not the internet. <laughs> yeah, we did have a lot of... How come we, you didn't we write... also had consultants, Whoa, too. whoa, whoa. Hmm. Why didn't you write me into Ralph Breaks the Internet, bro? I Colleen really got that little spot. I am sure. <laughs> listen, for sure. For sure, I had brought you up. For sure, like, there, I had, like, a list of, like, these are people... I know you're on the list, so you may not have been available. You know, it, you know, my drunk kitchen doesn't vet well for children's no, film. No, but you do. And I, I agree. <laughs> yes, it was fine. I'm like, Hannah's delightful. Yeah, Hannah's delightful. Yeah. And also, it's just, it's voices. So it was just to be able to, yes, I, I'm going to say you must have been busy because there's no way. Uh, over the years. We'll blame Linnea. We can. We can, we can. blame. We can totally put, the, Linnea, you know, we're putting this on you. Or we can blame casting. Me not being in Ralph Breaks the Internet. He said she wrote it and she's a huge fan. Well, I'm not the director. Mm. <laughs> I'm not, I wasn't one of the directors. I don't get to make all the choices. But there's no doubt you were discussed. Okay, good. <laughs> Aside from that, though, I did feel that as an internet person watching this movie, I mean, I, I had great hesitation. I was like, okay. Like, I really loved the first one. I was like, sure. okay, and this one's about the internet. Oh, man. Like, I, you know, when people do internet stuff, it's so dismissive sometimes mm-hmm. or they're just so far off the yeah. mark. Mm-hmm. And I literally turned to Ella and I was like, I can't remember if I said this person knows their internet or the team knew their internet. I was like, yeah, this is good. Oh, you know, well, thanks. it was good. We tried very hard. I was very annoying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Very annoying where I was like, mm, cause That's I remember wrong. at first, like they were calling the little guys that walk around the internet browsers oh. and browsers. So, yeah. Cause they were browsing the internet. I was so annoying. That was when I wouldn't let go where I was like, I mean, they're users because we use browsers. Users use browsers. You're <laughs> like, right. It's just annoying like but that. But you're right. 
Oh, I know. We, I mean, I know. Yeah, you're like, <laughs> I won. also annoying. But you're right. I yes. know. But like you were right. Because so we fixed it. I haven't thought the word browser since what? Netscape? Sure. Like, that was down in the older net. That's what we called older that bottom net, part. Older that, net. Older net. Yeah. So there's all kinds of stuff that didn't make it, which is why where I'm like, well, I'm sure, Hannah, you had a section that just over the years as the You know what we can do? Mm. We can make a video together from the channel and I'll read the section and I'll say, hey, everybody, just so you know, this is the deleted extra from Schmalf Schmakes, yeah. the Schminternet. Because it's not a litigious company in no. any way. Oh, they clearly would, not. They seem very chill. Very chill very with their Very chill IP. about rights. Oh, so chill. As most people are in LA, you know? You know what people love to do in LA? Just share. They yeah. love to just share. Yeah. You know? Things from a vault. I, I got to tell you, the, the Olympics <laughs> committee came after me for my Adam Rippon video about his coming out journey. Oh. And it's a footage thing, right? But I'm like, hey, dude, I'm not monetizing this. And yeah. also, like, it's a clip from the thing. But you know how the Olympics are. Yeah. Man, if you think that, like, studios are tough, the Olympics are just, like... Yeah. I even shot, I went to the Olympics years ago on behalf of Google of the Olympics and wasn't allowed to say the word Olympics. <laughs> what did you have to say? I don't remember how I worked around it, <laughs> but I couldn't say the word Olympics and I couldn't show the rings because it wasn't official Olympics stuff. The TM, but all was, the TMs. All the TMs. I was mm. like, but I am being hired by the Olympics. Yeah. No, it's not the same. Anyway, enough about me. Let's get to you. Where are you from? Uh, lastly, Austin, Texas. Okay, most recently, Austin. Yes, but that would have been almost 20 years ago. Wow. I've been living out here doing it. I but know. I moved around a lot. I went to 13 schools. This house I live in is my 30th. Oh, my God. Which is probably why I was Do you casual. even unpack? Not always. No. <laughs> I get that. Sometimes my dad was a hotel manager for Ramadas and Sheridans and stuff. Okay. So sometimes we would live in the hotel because we weren't going to be there long enough to get a house. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Very wow. nomadic. Well, did you get to stay anywhere fun or was it always like, no, no just really. a Ramada. Just like, oh, good. We're oh, 15 from the airport. Yeah. Love I mean, that. Like the Florida project without oh. Disney World. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so really just, you know, just an abundance of culture uh-huh. for you to feast on as yeah. a, just a real as a blossom kid. writer. Just, yeah. yeah. Always in, uh, always in the United States. We didn't really leave the country. So did you always know that you wanted to be a writer or that you were creative or that you wanted to pursue this, you know? Well, so, so I didn't always have friends. I'm and, just or, trying to say it where I'm not trying to sound like, and then, and but then, I didn't always have friends, but I did have like an active imagination. It was a product of my loneliness. It was a product of my loneliness. So my mom would say, just tell yourself a story to go to sleep or to do you uh, have pass the time. I have a younger sister. Okay. And my dad was an aspiring writer, but like the kind with like a, like a chip on the shoulder. Well, sure. But also <laughs> I was going to say a, like the typewriter and the writer's digest. This is a thing that maybe you don't know about, <laughs> but like before the internet, you would have to go to the bookstore and get a big book filled with places where you would send your submissions for your writing. So like it was the Writer's journals. Digest mm-hmm. to get into the Reader's Digest. <laughs> but to get into like Playboy and Cat Fancy. And oh, if you wanted to submit This is how story, would you would submit pieces. Yeah, if you didn't have an agent, I guess. If you were just my dad and- Yeah, and you couldn't just St. tweet Louis. or like, yeah. yeah this you couldn't is, tweet. You had to physically print it out and mail it? Yeah, if you would put it in an envelope, oh. like a manila envelope. If you even know what a manila uh, envelope is. I've got that. And it's for those of you that don't know, it's the orange one. It's the big old orange big orange one. one. Yeah. And you would put, you would type it, mm-hmm. first of all. That was another thing. Right. Like you typed them over and over again. Did he use a typewriter or a word, remember word processor? I remember when he got a word processor, but he did start with a typewriter. And then I got a typewriter. And so I was just emulating him in, in my closet. I made this little walk-in closet. And Hannah, it's not unlike how we're sitting now where I was like, this is what it looks like to be a writer. Mm-hmm. And I had little note cards with ideas and I would write short stories for my mom. I'd write Stephen King ripoff. She really loved Stephen King. So I would write. Do Would you read it as like reference material, get in the zone? Well, my parents didn't, I started reading at a very early age. And yeah. so my parents didn't know what to give me. So at about eight or nine, they gave me Pet Cemetery. Oh my God. It's not okay. Yeah, that's I'm not, not okay. okay. And then everything else happened that is me. That's why the chicken in Moana was like that, huh? <laughs> Man, that chicken. <laughs> well, how blue is this? Should I, should I keep it clean? So blue. Okay. There's a moment in Pet Sam. Maybe. I haven't read it since I was eight. So tell me if I'm wrong, you can correct it. But I believe she gives him a hand job in a bathtub. Yeah. And then he says, where did you learn that? And she says, Girl Scouts. Whoa. So what? I went and got my Girl Scouts handbook. <laughs> Oh my God. Trying to figure out what badge. You're like, what is a hand? Is it first aid? Do you know when you're a kid reading beyond your age and you don't even know what the things are, but you know that they're scandalous? Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Oh my God. I remember I read this book when I was in maybe like fifth grade. Anyway, I got in it and it was called My Uncle's a Vampire. And at the time I was going through like this, like, 
ooh, vampires, like Anne Rice kind of kick, mm-hmm. you know? Those books are very sexy also. Right. This book was about molestation. Oh. And it oh, was an a metaphor. vampire mm, kind of. Yeah, it was, oh, and she boy. was all about her and her twin sister, but it was actually disassociation. There was never oh, a twin sister yo. at all. Yo is right. <laughs> so this is the epitome of me as a kid. I remember now, it's sixth grade. I took the book to the librarian at the school. I said, hey, I read this. I'm fine. <laughs> but <laughs> you might want to reconsider yeah. having this here for children. Yeah. And she was like, I think those are the eighth graders. And I'm like... I see. It has some very adult themes, ma'am. You know, and I, you I invent- tattled effectively yeah, you on You invented the, the trigger warning. I did. <laughs> I did. I was like, here's a trigger warning. It's like there's this whole part of it uh-huh. that's literally like a child orgy. I don't read that because of the clowns. Yeah, no clowns. But there is like literally written into the book and it's yeah. like really disturbing. Well, we shouldn't read them as kids. Like no. that's for sure. But that's my parents sure. didn't know that. And so then my other option was Lord of the Flies. Oh. Not Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Flies. Lord of the Flies. Also not also good. Also not for great. Not getting the metaphors, just getting Piggy's head smashed. Like Piggy. that you remember. <laughs> you remember everything about Piggy. Yeah. At our school, they made us do a trial. Like a mock trial? A mock trial. The public school I went to, everyone had to do a Lord of the Flies mock trial. Oh, wow. Where people played different roles from the book. And it was all about determining like the moral lesson at the end. But you were in high school. No, this was middle school. Wow. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Nope. This was high school. I was going to say. It was high school. It was definitely high school. Yeah, but they gave me that when I was like nine. Jesus. So now you're like, <laughs> let's write some songs or like rather yeah. let's write some stories. Well, yeah. So I would. So how did you find your niche? So from there, you were yeah. a reader. And you from there, I was a reader lot. and I was a writer. I was the kind of kid where my teachers would say, hey, your writing's pretty strong. And or I would write my way out of an assignment, you know, like at that kind of extra credit of like, I really knew how to write to an audience early on. And this obviously always is like, bank on a B. Yeah. It'll well, be well written. Whether or not it'll hit any of the assigned points. It's true. You would get uh, extra credit for creativity, right? That yeah. was what you could do. Beautifully written, mm-hmm. wildly <laughs> off topic and not referencing the written prompt. Yeah. Did you read the prompt? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. You want me to write about that book? So here you go. It occurs to me now that it's, it was such a coping mechanism I must have picked up from moving a lot of figuring out what does this audience want? How do I talk to it and fit in? Because I was always not wearing the right clothes or I wasn't at the same curriculum they were at or I was always getting tested for the gifted program or whatever. And so nobody ever really knew what to do with me. But then even if you did get into the gifted program, it's not like you could stay. That's right. And you then know? I'd move. And then what's the point of that? You know? true. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. Wow, that must have been a lot. It was a lot. And then we stayed in one place for high school outside Texas in a town called Katy. Renee Zellweger also went to this high school. Oh, wow. And then I moved to Austin as soon as I could. Wow. So did you go to school for writing? At that point, I have an acting degree. Wow. Can you not tell? I can tell, actually. You're great. (laughs) I I love you. Uh, Um, Now it's my turn to not be wrong. Oh, this is going exactly how I hoped. Okay. (laughs) So I got out of, I was doing acting in Austin at UT. And so that was when I also started doing sketch and improv comedy because a friend of mine was like, I think you should try and do some comedy because it was a very, you know, I was like, no, I'm a stage actress. Mm. You know, there was the kind of time at that school where it just wasn't all combined like it is now. And so I was doing theater and I was doing comedy and then, and I was working at IBM and I was doing tech support. And so the beginning of the internet and it really looked like I was working if I was typing. And so I was writing sketches because the way to get on stage was to write something for yourself or for the other ladies in the troupe. And then I started directing them and doing improv Groups and and then you know you said you know what I I would like to become a screenwriter for high budget studio productions now in Hollywood so yeah. oh of course Pamela yeah and it was easy it was you the know, next just, day the next day exactly you yeah said, the standard rich and famous contract I want yeah the rich and famous contract <laughs> yes. oh I'm so you heard cl- of it oh yeah I'm yeah. so glad you got that no effort at all no. you never doubted no I can't doubt. even spell. <laughs> I record my voice and someone types it up. It's great. It's great. Yeah, it was a lot of people coming to LA and saying, or coming to Austin saying, if you ever get to LA, maybe I can help. And I was one of the last of our group to make it out to LA. What held, what kept you from wanting to make the move? I had a good paying job and then the internet broke and I didn't. Mm. So that was very helpful. Mm, So Uh, it's when the bubble the bubble yeah, pop. The bubble when they burst. Had that, when the internet was dawning for those who mm-hmm. might be being born during this time. Ye old the, internet. Ye old internet. When it was dawning, it went through this really huge uh, boom, like this big tech boom. It's like everybody had a dot com. Mm-hmm. You know? I was. Pammy.com still exists. I have a five letter URL. P A M M E. P A M I E. That's how early I am. I was do you on tele- do you, Can I go do you, to it? Oh, sure. It's right now. It's just a bio, but my archives are there. If you wanted to read, oh my gosh, Pamity.com started in 1998. 
July of 1998. So how old is that website now? That? Oh, my lord. Oh, yeah, look at you go. Oh, yes. yeah, it is a bio. It's a, just oh, a bio God, there. Oh, you have your own? Wow. Oh, so, yeah, it used to be how I made a living. I was one of the first, I was on a, this was called a portal, and it would be like a network, and it would put ads on your site, and so I was part of the Chick Click Network. Is that like a web ring? Yeah, a web ring. Remember like, web yes, rings? I was a part of some web rings. I but, was a part of a lot of filthy yeah. fan fiction-based <laughs> web rings that were just very dirty. But I got paid from a clicks, and then I had a pretty big forum community. I was also writing for Television Without Pity at the time, mm. doing recapping and things like that. Oh, my God. Yeah. I was the first, uh, one of the first recappers on that site. We must, I must have crossed your internet path, though. For sure. Yeah. yeah. There were only a few TV of without us pity. Television without pity. Yeah. yeah. There was only like a, like a handful of people that were like, or I could escape into this reality. <laughs> <laughs> I'd been out here a few years and realized I was starting to take meetings with people whose shows I had recapped. And mm-hmm. they were, you know, sometimes we weren't kind. Mm-hmm. I was like, I have to. TV without pity. So which do you prefer? So television screenwriting, you know, what are, what are some differences in that storytelling? How many people are around you usually oh. working on it, right? Which, so if you read a book, you, you're kind of by yourself for most of the time and then you have an editor maybe. Mm-hmm. Like, but an editor doesn't always like get in there. Sometimes it's just like, thanks, bye, see you February. But um, <laughs> sometimes. So I see you've written books. I've written some books. <laughs> so I've written some books. I've written, yeah, if you read the bio. <laughs> I'm just joking <laughs> <laughs> but I have some, my first novel came out of Pammy.com and then I have written a book about roller what, derby. And what was that first novel about? Uh, Why Girls Are Weird is about a girl who fakes her identity online and falls in love with one of her fans and she doesn't know if he loves her or who she's pretending to be. And it's got all these essays from Pammy.com because at the time people were like, what would a collection of comedic essays from the internet be? And why is your book about two people on the internet dating? Like oh that's God. weird. Oh my God. So that's how old. I, that is the rom-com I am. Hungry and Thanks. thirsty for. Thanks. They didn't, I sold it. It was my first screenplay sale. And it happened because I kept going to meetings where people were like, well, do you ever have some IP or a book you'd like to adapt? So I went and wrote that book and then published it. And it was my first screenplay sale. Oh and then my-, my second novel was my first TV sale. It's not, I don't recommend it because it's a much harder, longer path. Yeah. But we didn't have Twitter yeah. and these ways to just sort of quickly get seen yeah. and heard and, and to amplify your voice in a way that they can well, make, oh God, it sounds so nice. I mean, no, it's hard now because it's everyone, Yeah, but it was also hard back then because it wasn't everyone. And I think the path you describe shows what people are really looking for, which is the dedication and the discipline and the self-direction, mm-hmm. really. And like, it's funny because I, I have this narrative in my head that I'm not a disciplined person, you know? <laughs> okay. I know. And I don't know, like the thought like, oh, I know how to work hard, but that doesn't mean like that I'm disciplined. But I feel like in a lot of ways, like the, yes, don't take the path of writing a book to then write a screenplay about the book you wrote and then sell it, like as you were saying. But it does really reflect your ability to start and finish projects and tasks and Okay, that. so that's, I was just about to be like, when you close your eyes, what does a disciplined person look like that you think that you're not? I guess they are, I guess that in my head, I think they're not faced by anything. Mm. Like that tasks aren't emotional weight or like your work isn't like emotional weight, I guess, is that they're just like, oh, I have to get up and do this now because I told myself I would do that. Yeah. And when that's... I think of a disciplined person, I think of Yo-Yo Ma. Yeah. Right. <laughs> 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 who was put in a million hours in one chair. Mm. Like where you and I are like, I'll do this and I like that and that sounds fun and that's cool. But you're finishing all that stuff. That takes hustle, but that also takes the discipline of knowing I can see that finish line yeah. and I'm going to not stop until I, I pass that finish line. And some people are like, oh, I don't want to go near the finish line. I'm going to drop that and go to the next shiny thing. Yeah, or it's like when something's dead in the water and mm-hmm. you're like, you know what? I'm not finishing this because I don't want to finish it yeah. cuz actually let's kill it because i don't think anyone wants it actually i don't i don't want it to exist i wouldn't i wouldn't want it if somebody else made it at this point yeah i was at this conference yesterday no, yesterday the day before in new york at blog her Oh yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh, blog her is still, it's so rude for me to say, blog her is still happening. I said that to the owner oh. of the company <laughs> right before I spoke with her. You know, I was like, I mean, honestly, I didn't know blogger was still around. Yeah. But, but like, because when I picture blogger, close your eyes and picture blogger, I picture a <laughs> bottom of a hotel floor conference room yes. panel. I knew you looked familiar. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that yes. is where I've seen some. Yeah, but in like, New York or whatever. Know, yeah. Oh, Blogger is thriving. Wow. It was their creators' conference. It was at the Brooklyn Expo Hall. Kiki Palmer spoke right before what? me. What? Yeah, Blogger is thriving. So, what are, oh, I guess because influencers to me feel like you've moved to a different platform. Mm. And I've seen 
blogs, but like, I know we're past mommy blogging and inspiration blogging. All this. So what is a content? What is this kind of content that you see? You mean who is in attendance at blogging? Yeah. Probably a lot of brands. And then a lot of like people that either run, create content for companies oh, or okay. people that are independent content creators. Right. So yeah. when we look at content, it can be all the things. It can be you. the mommy blog, the mommy vlog, the everything. It's yeah. everything. I was speaking at this conference, you know, you do like talk and then at the end there's like a Q&A. This girl asks, you know, when you're doing the dishes or taking a shower or doing, taking out the trash and you get ideas and you get all these ideas, how do you pick which one's the right one? Like, how do you know which one's the right idea to do? Mm-hmm. And I told her, good news is they're all the right idea. Bad news is it's about focus. Yeah. You know, and I recommended a book to her, my favorite self-help book for me personally, which was Driven to Distraction, which really, really helped. And I was like, your ideas are all worthwhile. What you're looking for is the stimulation to follow all the way through because yeah. you need that like kind of exterior thing of like a deadline or pressure that's to generate the focus, mm-hmm. you know? But I told her to read that book uh, instead. I was like, you should really look into this and how to exercise your focus because I'm sure all the ideas are good. Yeah, I'm a big fan of fake deadlines. Fake deadlines. But they're good. not, yeah, they're, I, I guess you can know they're fake and that's you sort of, I like cheating yourself on it. Yeah, right? I know. But, right. but that might be what you're saying. Like, I guess this isn't one of the ideas because I'm willing to compromise yeah. my promise to myself to not finish it. Do you ever love a project so much you don't want to finish it or you don't know when it's done? Have you ever felt like... Yeah. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. Tell me about that. Well, I'm trying to think of one that I eventually had to admit I had to drop because like, if we look at My Boyfriend is a Bear, that book took eight years. And that was just believing that it was going to happen. Mm. But not me trying to hustle it. Like Oni from the beginning said, we'll make it. But there were times when I didn't believe it was possible anymore. So many years had passed mm-hmm. <laughs> without it actually existing. Mm-hmm. Like my Christmas album. I always think about <laughs> finishing in my head. How many songs exist? At this it? point, it's an EP. Yeah. You know, it's really. <laughs> that, well, that's a thing. I could be. Why does it have to go all the way to LP? Is LP, that what you're saying? Uh, yeah, I think it to be a healthy <laughs> EP. It's a jazzy, sassy album about the real, you know, Christmas life. I need yeah. to pull back on some other projects. And then once I do, I'll be able to just dive straight into all this other stuff that's been on the back burner of my little brain. Sometimes that one is you just find someone who you're like, I want to work on something with you. I have this thing. Won't this be fun? I'll get this thing finished. And we'll be better friends when it's over. Yeah. And then we'll be like, <laughs> look at us. Look at us go. We were going to hang out anyway. It was, <laughs> was going to happen. Yeah. So but for my boyfriend as a bear, you know, eight years down the line, mm-hmm. it, it finally, you finally finished it and you felt like, now I'm done. Well, this. it existed. It came it existed. out. It finally got published. Because at a certain point that was, uh, you know, it was in Kat's hands for a while. And oh. we had an illustrator before that and it fell through. And so it just, it was that's not the question that you asked. It's just the longest one that I could think of right away. Yeah. When do I know so I've spent too long on something and I need to let it go? I will say, though, that you bring up a great point, which is when do you give up trying to, or not give up trying to get a finished work out there? You right. know? Because sometimes I feel like I've met people who have really great ideas, but they're still attached to the same idea they were talking about five mm. or six years ago. Mm-hmm. It's like, what's a new phrase for shit or get off the pot? Like, what's a new one? <laughs> you know, but it's like, hey man, it's okay for you to let that idea go. Yeah. I know you spent five years like being like, this is the idea I want to do, but like, it seems like you don't really want to do it. You well, know? yeah. So there's a couple things that I'm going to diagnose the stranger with. Yeah. But one of them, it isn't it the fear that there won't be another idea that makes people excited to talk to them. Right, they get feedback of that's your best idea. That's the one we engage with at a party. And then when they want to know what else, you sort of are like, I'd like to stay focused on this one because they need a binder full of women. (laughs) Binders, binders, binders full of women. But I think there's that feeling of I'll never have an idea better than that one, so I better stick with this one because it's great. And then there's the feeling. Then there's some people who are like, I don't want to be told it should be different because this is the one I understand. This is the way I understand this idea. I was going to say the answer to your question of when do I know I should have let something go? I think I have a hard time with that because I'm so used to being able to say, well, I'll turn it into this thing instead and maybe it'll be over here and it'll keep going. Mm. But there's certainly some projects where I'm like, I have made this last so long and now it, I do have to keep working on it because <laughs> <laughs> it worked. And suddenly I'm like 10 years in, you know, still talking about roller derby. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I didn't think that would always Roller be derby here. had a real big moment again a second ago, didn't it? Yeah. I think, it, I think it'll be much like magic. It'll continue to be cyclical. <laughs> yeah. It'll be like, hey guys, roller derby. You're like, yeah. Like, yeah. But then it always happens in this way where in Hollywood, they'll be like, hey guys, let's make a roller derby movie or whatever. And then you look at it and there's like three roller derby movies that yeah. are coming out the same summer. Yeah. I'm like, so everyone 
had the same idea at the same time, and they all greenlit it, and now there's three. The end. You yeah. know? Well, because the other two thought the other two wouldn't make it, because most of them don't. That's pretty statistically crazy that there were three. They all came out of watching Glow, for yep. sure. And they were like, what? This is like, what? Like, oh, and then roller derby. Yeah. And the Glow yeah. certainly came out of roller derby. It's just, yeah. Then so, we'll have female wrestling again. And, I mean. We did support the girls, right? Yeah, yeah. I... I'm uh, downright giddy because I really genuinely feel like I could just talk to you, but I have to remember that we're, we had things we were supposed to that, talk that about. That we had things we're supposed to talk okay. about and okay. that we're recording it for a podcast. And <laughs> thank you everybody for listening to me get to know my new friend. <laughs> it's working. It's working. <laughs> oh, <laughs> please. That was me talking to uh, me from 2011. You're it, like, just be patient. See, it. I don't know how to let something go, Hannah. Eventually Whoa. you end up in their house. <laughs> don't get freaked out. <laughs> Oh my God. No, I'm okay. It's yeah, all right. I believe it. I believe it. So uh, moving around a lot, not mm-hmm. having that consistency, that consistent friend group, that consistent school, et cetera. You used your imagination to cope with that. Mm-hmm. I had well, a lot of imaginary friends and they were often my friends from the place before. It's oh. also, oh, I made you make the sad face again. But I think that's, I was already doing what a TV writer does. I wrote dialogue constantly for what my friends would say if we were in this situation that they couldn't be in. Yeah. So I was doing that all the time. Yeah. So it made me a pretty decent mimic. And a and, decent dialogue writer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing like the attention to detail of missing someone. Mm-hmm. You know, when you miss somebody, you remember absolutely everything about them. Yeah. You know? I also just had a lot of celebrities that I would do it to as well. Oh, so I like one of my, one of my celebrities this, that I lived with. If this turns into anyway, Hannah. Here's yeah. the the real people I, fanfic I wrote, I wrote about you. Yeah. No. Well, two stories. One is when I finally met, uh, I got to meet Essie Hinton, who wrote The Outsiders at oh. this like at the LA Book uh, Festival. I knew she was going to be there because we were both going to be in the author or in the green room, and I brought my tattered copy of The Outsiders, which I read like nine times growing up. And I brought this thing over to her and uh, she's just signing. And I said, anyway, I'm a, I'm a writer and I was, I'm here with my, I think as you can tell, my second I'm novel. also in the green room. So I'm also in the green room. So I'm vetted. I'm yeah, vetted. I'm and doing great. And I was like, so I just, but I read it so much. I was like, your book meant so much to me that I would read it. And I would sometimes pretend to be a character in it. And I was Pony Boy and Johnny's friend. And I was at the church with them. Anyway, it's like, thank you. And she goes, have you ever heard of fanfic? Oh. And, I, and she was so sweet. She was so sweet. But I was like, no, yes, I guess you're, I guess you're right. I guess I was writing <laughs> Outsiders like, fanfic. <laughs> In your head, self-insertion yeah, fanfic. I did. But you meant it from the sense of like, look how much you inspired me and my work. And yeah. like you helped me start to test out and strengthen muscles that would later become my career. Yeah. You know? But she, she thought, she looked, it was like, mm-hmm. Well, a million so people love- have probably said to her. <laughs> Yeah, like, thank you. Like her friend next to her was like, this is very sweet what's happening. But I was oh like, God. she probably, again, I was working on my fan face. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can I get it better? But she did. She wrote Stay Gold in my book. It's mm-hmm. very Stay sweet. Gold. That's yeah. good. That nice. takes me back. I remember I watched it outside. She's a musical. huge Supernatural fan. Oh my God. Really? Yes. Okay. Well, No, for real. Well, then we got to have her on. <laughs> I should just make a sub show called Hannah Gelb Talks About Supernatural with People. Most of S.E. Hinton's Twitter feed is just her retweeting things about Supernatural. Really? Yes. Okay, that'll be the... Gelby will field that one. Okay. She'll do that one. <laughs> so you, you were the last of your group to move to Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And at that point, were you like, I just want to get anything made? It doesn't matter what it is? Or is it, I just want to work in a room? I mean, did you have a uh, singular... No, I wanted to be on Saturday Night Live. Yeah. So I was out here well, doing Second City. LA, they don't make it here. I know, but they had the groundlings out here. And um, you know what? The thing with New York to me felt, it still feels too hard. Yeah. You got to turtle up. You know, you just got to carry it on, on your back all day and it's hot and sweaty and you're cold. Oh. <laughs> yeah, the seasons are really. It's, well, and the trash on, like the trash goes outside where you're walking is, is hard for me. <laughs> Uh, when you're walking down the streets in New York and it's eye-level bags of garbage. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's gross. And that people are like, ooh, that's a clean bag of garbage. Like, I can't do this all day, all day. I just don't have the heart for it. Like, I've been there, but I don't ever want to live there. Maybe if I was so wealthy. Yeah. (laughs) Just like, and you would just take a helicopter in and out. Or I could Spider-Man around. (laughs) Or maybe if if you were Spider-Man, that would be. Maybe. Well, that has a lot of responsibility, as we know. (laughs) 
Um, so you wanted to be on SNL, but you didn't want to live in New York. But well, yeah. I, and also, well, I would have to be on SNL. I know, You're but, just in the building. That's but fine. as we know, SNL is one of the hardest, it's very tough, most soul crushing yeah, jobs. I didn't go to Harvard. Yeah, yeah, it's hard. It's yeah. hard. So it's yes. hard. It's a tough one. So what was your compromise then? Or- I was doing Second City out here, and I had written. Uh, I took Anne Heche's autobiography, and I turned it into a parody of the vagina monologues, mm-hmm. and I cast all my friends in all of these parts, it became a bit of a scandal and it was a big deal. And there were a lot of, it was in the news. It was in the trades. It was on page six because she, because she showed up. Oh fuck. I feel like I'm living this story in real time with you. (laughs) Well, by that point we'd been doing the show for about a year and a half. We opened for Sandra Bernhard once at the knitting factory. It was this crazy thing where everybody was talking about it and it was a lot of fun. The show was her words. Like we came out with the book. I had written some interstitial scenes and we had done some, vignettes and songs, but the heart of it was reading through the book and doing all these different chapters and holding the book to show, not making this up. Like sometimes it rhymes and it is, I don't know if you know, but the book is about her believing she's the second coming uh, uh, sent here from another planet to teach the world about love. She's this being called Celestia. And then eventually she, uh, she's like wandering Fresno and she's like found in a house. And then she remembers that maybe Maybe she's not gay. Like it's a whole. <laughs> I I'm trying to. And I wasn't. The, I was not expecting no, that. Yeah. Then she plot twist. like. Then she remembers. Maybe she should have. She, she doesn't taken. need to be institutionalized. And she got married to a man. And and that's all happened after the book. Wow. The book came out um, right around September 11th, and so it was this time when people were really questioning what's going to be funny ever again. Like at the time, she was about to. She had just done like 2020, talking about like she spoke in tongues. She, she woke up one day and said she had stigmata. She did like oh drug God. therapy to remember. I haven't talked about this in forever, but what I found in here is this profound statement about how far we'll go when people are watching us and need us to keep being bigger and different and explain ourselves and how hard it is to be a celebrity and that ultimately you might lose your sense of self and end up in a hospital and have to explain all of this behavior you've been doing, all this unraveling you've been doing, and to say, maybe I'm just okay. Mm-hmm. Maybe you don't have to worry about me anymore. And uh, oh. so the show ends sort of in this way where we're all really feeling for her. God, you know, I feel like you would leave that show feeling kind of like, like shell shock, like, you know what I mean? Like kind of shell shock, like, oh, what did I just watch? <laughs> you know? It was so funny because we would act out scenes while you're reading the thing. And a lot of the book is about her being angry with her mom and her dad and abuse that happened to her and and all these things that led to her. But then she'll just in the middle, like just start talking about just a lot of name dropping. Like Steve Martin was funny and bright and mellow, like yellow. Mm. (laughs) Like just like, just these sentences where you're like, this is a real sentence. This is a real person that was in a real world. Yeah. When she was remembering her trauma, she was talking about her baby sized pussy. Wow. So it's just phrases like that where you're Got like, it. okay, okay like, I'm awake. I was with you and then and what I'm happened? <laughs> the show was so much fun to do, but we were, at the same time, my first novel was about to come out. Everybody was at the cusp of, of like going somewhere and people were, st- it got busy enough that one of my friends, her lawyer dropped her just anticipation of a lawsuit because she also, they also repped Anne Hage. There's nobody knew what to do. Oh my God. We really skirted parody law in a way. Yeah where we weren't making any money we were making on the show. We were donating to a homeless shelter and women's, uh, women's shelters. Yeah. But it got crazy. It got, wow. We had to do like two shows a week or two shows a night. There would be a line around the corner. It was, this was right around the same time that right before Mortified started, around oh. the time that Mortified and Sit and Spin were starting. Wow. When uh, Mindy Kaling was doing Matt and Ben. And so it was this scandalous-ish show where we didn't exactly have the permission to, to do just what you were keep doing. doing it forever, right? That mm. The theater offered to let us just be the Wednesday night show, but we didn't want anybody to get in trouble. No, you didn't. And you also don't want to sully your own reputations before you even build them. Well, you know, and we or were, like before yeah, you get the chance to I like, guess it wasn't that kind of show where we yeah. were going to look like we were yeah. assholes. Like we didn't, I don't think it, came, it was sort of a celebration. Oh, of I'm sure. How no, crazy. I'm sure. Yeah. But uh, it, it said, call me crazy. Like, yeah. <laughs> It's her words, but it started getting where people wanted to take money from the show. I had Mm. to, it was going to cost me money to like open the theater and and there wasn't a place to like do it somewhere else. So one of my friends in that show, she and I made a two person show and we took that to the Aspen Comedy Festival. It was the same year's Flight of the Concords. And from there, she started working on Ellen DeGeneres' talk show and I started working on other TV stuff and we got... She's Liz Feldman. She created Dead to Me. Oh, so like, oh my God. So and she was in the Anne. She was like, she was Ellen in the Anne show. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Okay. 
So podcast relevant questions. Yeah. <clears throat> so this is, we're talking about the story. We're of how setting we got us here. here. Yeah. Yes. The story of how you got here, but also I want to talk about specifically getting into children's programming. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> children's programming. Well, well it's I mean, not, like, this, I'm still doing it because it's like, I would then write, I wrote an indie script. Disney and Pixar aren't really looking for you to write a kid's book to get to write for them. They're looking for people who know how to do characters that are funny and have a lot of heart. Mm. And so the movie that I had written is, you know, a rated R film for sure about a grandmother and her granddaughter on a road trip, like a Thelma and Louise with a mm. multi-generational aspect. Yeah. And that ended up over at Pixar. So I met a few directors on at Disney at the same time. The development people there wanted me to get on board, just yeah. be in, in, on one of the movies. I'm so taken aback. I had this idea that people that wrote children's film uh-huh. were like effectively those adults that like love Disneyland. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? They, oh, there's a lot of those people in that building. They're in the building. Yeah. I assumed that they were people that were always passionate specifically about that genre. So it's really interesting to me to hear that it's actually just about your depth of, as a writer. And I think that shows actually, I think that shows up in family films. Mm-hmm. When you're watching a family film as an adult without mm-hmm. kids, like me, you don't feel any weight to it. You're just like, ah, this is just candy, like sometimes, yeah, you know? Mm -hmm. And then sometimes you watch it and you're like, yeah, you know, like Toy Story 3 Mm -hmm. came out of nowhere, ripped your beating heart from your chest, but not out of nowhere about the Toy Story franchise. (laughs) Anyway, long story short, I'm surprised that it's not that you were like, oh, I've just always loved cartoons. No, I thought about it too before. I mean, when I got the job on Moana, Frozen hadn't come out yet. And so, yeah, that's how long these take. (laughs) When I started on Moana, my daughter was four months old and then she was four years old when the movie came out. Okay, I want everyone who has hopes and dreams about living and working in the fields of creative creativity (laughs) and just listen to that and really take that in. Yeah. Okay, it's not a fast, fast, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am kind of of life. Yeah, eight years for a comic book, four years for a movie. (laughs) Wow, exciting (laughs) stuff, but you look so young. You look great. You seem full of life. Mm, I have a lot of water. Oh, me too. <laughs> it's very important. We live in a desert. We're not supposed to be here. Man. Yeah. You, so I didn't, I'm I really, sorry. I, I've never felt this way before. You do remind me of me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've never, ever. All I've, my dreams are coming true. I've heard that statement a lot, <laughs> but like, I can really see why you loved my drug kitchen. Yeah. Because it's, that's why I got the tweet it, where they were like, Hey, I think you have a thing you haven't seen that you did. <laughs> But like, it's all the, like the asides and all those, yeah. like those moments, you know, which is always also why I've had such a hard time ever having anybody else edit my drunk kitchen because it's I understand. like, when I do, I'm like, just, this is just not as good. But your editing is perfect because yes, it's like, yeah. Well, also because I guess my brain works like yours, but I think it's perfect for our style of brain because yeah. nothing is meaningless. There's no filler right. moment. And that's the whole point. Yes. You know what I mean? In a good cut of a video, but yeah. Anyways, uh, Julia Nunez is another. Do you know Julia Nunez? I do. Yeah, she's a musician. Yeah, she's a musician. I met I, her in New York. Well, she's another person. We were like people. She reminds me of you. And then when I met her, and then I was like, we're like. And this is when I did the wrong one because I met her too soon, and I was oh. like, we're like me, but also. I mean, I don't normally do that, but also mm. we were very, we're very similar. And mm, mm, she's mm. great. I've never seen her again. <laughs> You know what? Her Look, album's wonderful. It happens to the best of us, man. It's true. And our newfound friendship. I'll yeah. tell you about all the times I've really blown it in front of people <laughs> I, I love and admire. Who were some of your biggest role models, too, for like this industry? You know, coming in, there was just so many, there was so much not like me, mm. right? How nice it was to see someone like Amy Poehler or Tina Fey, particularly Amy Poehler, then go, okay, well, how can I keep reaching back and bring more into this? How can I keep expanding this into more weirdos like us, mm-hmm. right? When I first started out, it was don't be weird, mm. figure out how to assimilate and be grateful for the one chair in the room that's available to you. Mm. And now it's more like, what's your weirdest shit? Because we don't know how to do that. Yeah. So the things that I couldn't sell before, ladies who date bears, <laughs> girls who skate roller derby, uh, moms who are hoarders. Like now it's like, oh, well, this is a weird thing I hadn't heard of before. You're like, that's, that's the good shit. Yeah. Have you ever tried any other kind of style of writing? Like, have you ever been like, well, actually I do have my secret period piece drama. Like, you know what I mean? Like, well, like, do you feel the need to stretch your creative muscles in that way? Or like, or is it just more about, well, my stuff isn't always pure comedy, but it's always going to probably, it's always going to be in there. Because that's even in the darkest stuff. The human part is when we're able to look at each other and still laugh about it. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite memories with my sister is that one time we made a joke about chloroforming our mom. And <laughs> it was very funny at the time because we both like had that glance at each other like, but no, you're kidding too, right? <laughs> and then we started laughing very hard. 
Yeah. We have, that's how we get through all of this. Yeah. It's just so hard. Yeah. All of it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so I'm... Just to clean her house, by the way. No, That's sure. why we wanted to... We just oh, wanted to like put her outside for a second to clean the house and then put her back in. Your Honor, I stopped listening oh. after she said chloroform. I signed <laughs> no documents when I walked in. Does it sound so bad? Does it sound so bad? So here are the things in my very lovely outline that my yeah, wonderful I feel like we haven't addressed some of your... But I feel like I didn't finish something. Hold on. Oh, you asked like, is there something that I haven't tried? Sometimes I'll get asked, do you want to do this? And I wouldn't have thought about it before. And so then I'll, I'll try it. So like an example is, hey, do you want to write a Rick and Morty comic? Here's what'll make me say yes very quickly. Someone going, oh, I don't think you'd be good at that. And I'm like, oh, look, it, I'm going to go get that job. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> it's all it. that like people, figure, authority figures or people being like, mm, I don't, I'm like, like I do this, unfortunately, to my team all the time. They're like, Hannah, that's too much. And one day you're not gonna be able to do it. I'm like, yeah, I am. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know me. <laughs> and then the day of, I'm like, I'm dead now. <laughs> and they're like, yep, we know. <laughs> But being dismissed or undermined, it's a really good fuel. But it's not dismissive or undermining sometimes. Sometimes people are just- No, it's not like those people genuinely care about you. Yeah. You know what I mean? But like, it's sometimes it's genuinely good feedback. Yeah. And being an adult driving the car, not the kid driving the car, is knowing how to navigate those impulses. Right. You know what I mean? So do you want to write a Rick and Morty comic? I did. I've written two of them. Oh, cool. So I was saying sometimes I'll take something because I was like, well, I haven't tried that before. That sounds interesting. And I'd like to learn how to do it. Whenever there's an element of learning something new, I'm kind of drawn to it. You seem very brave. Are you ever? <laughs> That's not a word I hear. Yeah, Mo- Moana is see- so brave. She's doing the most terrifying thing I could imagine when, out in the open sea. Sailing? Ooh, yes. Know, ah, sailing I used to <laughs> does this, not take me away. I used to have this irrational fear that I would suddenly be transported at any given moment. And if I talk about it, I'm going to scare myself again. But I think I'm, I think I'm past it. I used to have this irrational fear that something would click and I would be plummeting from the sky into the ocean. Right. And I would genuinely be scared like any second now it's going to happen. It's actually a rational fear because I assume you fly in an airplane every once in a while. I do, but I had this since I was a little kid. It was just like, I would just be dropped in the ocean. My irrational fear is learning I have a dead body in my trunk. Learning you have one. Yeah. They're just like, you open your trunk and you're like, oh no. Not again. Not again. What did I do last time? I woke up. I don't remember. Oh my God. Yeah. That's a recurring nightmare. <laughs> it's a body in my trunk. That's yeah. terrifying. It's not great. No. I'm sometimes in a field like in seven. <laughs> so what, what obstacles? Was this on your, was this on your outline? It says, it says right here, right after the dead <laughs> body of the trunk. She mentioned seven. Here we go. She mentioned seven. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> What are my obstacles? So, oh, we were supposed to talk like mental health and yeah, stuff. Yeah, we're talking about mental health. If we could discuss. Yeah. You know, because to me, you seem very brave. You know, trying things you've never done before. You might not necessarily be good at on the first go. Yeah. Like you seem like a very brave person. So what are some obstacles? Very afraid to cross the street against the light. Okay. But what are some real obstacles? Oh, you mean in you mean Emotional, in my- mental obstacles that you've had to learn how to overcome and adapt. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not the kind of person who would go to a party alone. It's a pretty new thing that I would go and eat in a restaurant by myself. And it isn't not knowing what'll happen. The idea that people are perceiving you as someone in no, a restaurant. I, no, it has nothing to do with that either. It's not. It's uh, what will I do with all this me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't always want to just sit and be on my phone for an hour and sometimes you know the room will be too dark to bring a book. Why do I always need a distraction? Why are my hands always doing something, right? I like, mean, but and writing is your outlet. Writing and is my so, outlet. When and it, now it's your work. Mm-hmm. So right. it's almost like if you're writing, you're working. Exactly. So, wow, yes. Which can also happen just going to see a movie. Now I will, I don't really, but I could be okay seeing a movie by myself. But that used to be something that would, I couldn't imagine. Why would you go? How would you know how you felt about it? I'm better at all without of that. telling someone. Yeah, without processing it with someone after verbal process or writing it down to see what you thought. Yeah, yeah. I mean, then that's. I think that's what the the diary and the journal is for, mm-hmm. right? So even if you're out to dinner by yourself, the challenge would be not to do something fic- fiction to just talk to yourself. Well, what would be something I wouldn't really do is keep a diary that is just mine and no one else ever reads. Mm. What's the What's that for? Well, you know, <laughs> it's good actually. Sometimes probably it is. I don't know. I think I'd probably just turn it into a TV show. <laughs> well, you are a writer. So maybe that's not it. Maybe you need to just go lay in some paints and like wiggle it around. And you'd yeah. be like, well, if I'm not going to sell this paint, it, you know, I have to say, I, it's rare that I find myself 
understanding that feeling of like, well, if it's not for blank, yeah. then why would I do it? Yeah. At this point in my life, I don't have an answer for that. Right. I just, the only answer I have is like slowing down yeah. internally because everything is still moving forward externally. I mean, maybe it's why I love my garden so much. It's okay to be a doer, you know, like um, there's that theory of the threefold man, like the thinking man, the feeling man, and the doing man. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the doer is a thinker and a feeler in real time. Mm-hmm. The only way I know how to really kind of like connect with my thoughts is by doing something. Yeah. Which is probably also why the idea of just being alone at a meal isn't appealing. Right. And even making something, it, somehow I put into that object everything I was feeling that day, like a uh, needlepoint, right? Which it just, since this decade long administration that we've been in, <laughs> I find myself doing things that are like I'm an old timey lady. Mm-hmm. Like I now have, I've taken a piano. Really? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, your piano, right. I can't, like, I was like, that's an intimidatingly real and pretty piano. It's almost my one-year anniversary of piano lessons. And I'm like, needlepoint again and sewing and all of these, cooking, you know, just the word make is like right over your shoulder. But I think that's it. Like, making something allows you to put that day's everything there. And if I pick it up later, I will remember what I was thinking or a movie I watched or listened to in the background while I was, isn't that weird that we imprint all this stuff in the physical? Mm-hmm. And since hoarding is like a big deal on both sides of my family, I have to be careful not to do it. Mm. And so I have these rules for myself about vacation, what you can take home as a memento, like everything has to fit in my hand. Mm-hmm. That's, I, that, I think that that is a good rule. That's yeah. a good rule. And in a way, your writing and your creative outlet is a way of keeping yourself from mentally hoarding. Yeah, I hoard the internet. Yeah, but yeah. like, you know, like <laughs> mentally keeping so much in your mind and not yeah. letting it get out, you know? Yeah. And writing lets it out. That's true. It is taking it out of your hoarder house of your brain. I, yeah, I'm, I, what sparks joy? What sparks? <laughs> give it to others. Give it to others. <laughs> yes. I think you're the best. Oh, and thanks. I would love to talk with you more than once okay. if you ever want to come back to analyze this. Yeah, we can talk. We didn't talk about most of the things I thought we'd talk about. Like, I'm sorry. I just, we, I guess we, we should have gotten coffee first. <laughs> I, it's hard to say. Uh, guys, if you want to see Pamela Ribbon back here on Analyze This, make sure you let us know by rating and reviewing this uh, groundbreaking podcast. And Pamela, if people want to be fans of you mm-hmm. and not just your work or, and your work, sure. where can people find you? Buy some books. On Twitter, I'm at Pamela Ribbon. That's P-A-M-E-L-A-R-I-B-O-N. You can go to pammy.com, P-A-M-I-E.com, and that's where you can see the things I've written. If you want to go and read My Boyfriend is a Bear, that's out now with Oni Press. Notes to Boys and Other Things I Shouldn't Share in Public is uh, the memoir about my awkward teen years. Oh my God, I can't wait to read it. I wrote a lot of letters to boys and I kept all the first drafts and then I published them with okay. my adult commentary. Boom. Next time you come back, Hannah yeah. Gab will be here and we'll read all these notes to boys and we'll just do a, little, a nice little sit and Sounds we'll talk good. about that. Okay. Pamela, thank you so much for being Thanks here. Thanks for having earbuds, me. Thank so you. It is so great. Thanks, earbuds. Thank you, earbuds. Yeah, if you guys love this podcast and like it, make sure you go to patreon.com slash analyze this and buy a Hannah a cup of coffee. Yes, for only $5, you can become a patron of this art. So if you want to feel a sense of ownership and belonging, I really recommend you buy a Hannah a cup of coffee. Five bucks. Patreon.com slash analyze this. Okay. Oh, you good. Okay, bye.